with the recent actors and actresses strike coming to an end, Zachary, I've had a big question on my mind in the last uh, last couple of days, and I'm, I'm ready to share it with you, and I'm ready to share it with audience members. And that question is this. Is there a current actor or actress that gets your butt into the seat? And I'm not talking about the plot of the film, director. I'm talking about is there someone with enough star power that makes you go, I got to see that movie, no matter what it is? Uh, of course there is, Nicholas. Of course. I have uh, a list of six individuals. Oh, my uh, goodness. Four, four actors and two actresses. Oh, wow. I didn't realize you you want to just one. I can narrow it down to just one. No, I, I, I'm here for this. I, I've got just one to share, but please go um, let everybody know. I'm curious now who all these, uh, who these individuals are. So I think the number one, probably on a lot of people's minds, probably the, the biggest actor in the world in the last 20 years, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what you put? No, it, was, it wasn't, okay. but that's one that I thought about. Um, I just think over the like in the last 10 or so years he's become more selective with his work so like when he's in something you probably want to watch it yeah um and obviously we're going to be talking about Killers of the Fire Moon in a second so that's number 1 and then uh, uh, an up and comer i have Timothy Chalamet oh that's mine that's yours yeah. okay i'll let you talk about him then yeah uh it was interesting cuz i was thinking about this a lot and um there's I think historically there hasn't been any one person that's gotten me to go, oh, I have to see that film. Or because of this one person, I must go and see whatever it is that, I, that they're in. But I've realized with the upcoming release of the Wonka film, the only reason I want to see that film is because of Timothy Chalamet. Also, do you know that's a musical? Yes, I did, which is crazy. Also, uh, there's, a, like, there's a new Mean Girls movie coming out. Yeah, but it's a musical, and no one is like the trailer doesn't tell you that the Wonka trailer really doesn't tell you. It's like studios yeah. are trying to hide the fact that they are musicals. These movies are all musicals because musicals don't do well at the box office. They're trying to save an element of surprise. You're right, though. Although, yeah, you're right. You're right. They they don't historically do well. Like a Willy uh, Wonka. I guess the original Willy Wonka was a musical. So yeah, but I, so I think like that that film definitely stood out to me. I think for a lot of people, I don't I don't know how many people would be going to watch a Wonka film unless it had some star power. And I think Timothy uh is definitely the the guy to get butts and seats and i and i realized that i felt the same way about doom like i don't think i would have cared at all to watch really? Doom if it wasn't for him i disagree with you there i think a lot really? of people were actually pretty uh like fans of the books were pretty yeah, apprehensive yeah. of his casting for paul well so, well so i'll say this like if you are if you've read the book right or you had an interest in that film then absolutely but for someone like me who I, to be honest zach i didn't even know that a, a concept known dune or a book existed <laughs> And I saw him and I was like, oh, like, I'm going to check that out. And I think just because of his, uh, gosh, what's it called? Not his discography. What, it, what is the... His star power? His... his the, the roles he's been in before. Like everything his from... His pedigree? His pedigree. Uh, like Call Me By Your Name, Little Bird. Um, little uh, Bird? I mean, well, Little Women. Uh, Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Oh, my gosh. He was in Little Women, too. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, yeah, I watched that. And, um, Little Bird. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And Beautiful Boy. Like, I don't think I would have watched any of those films uh, if it weren't for him. Mm-hmm. And, well, yeah, uh, he definitely adds a new dynamic into the, like, science fiction. Yeah. Epic science fiction film. And it's weird because I don't know what it is about him that, because, like, his real-life persona is definitely, like, goofy silly like doesn't take himself seriously but then every role he's in 
I feel like I don't know, like everything from Beautiful Boy to Elliot. He really, he really gets in, into it. He makes me feel for that character. So anyway, that's my long-winded way of saying Timothy Chalamet is the dude for me that gets my butt into a movie theater seat. Yeah. Also, uh, audience, if you're hearing my cat meow, it's because we just got back from a weekend away. So he's pretty happy to see us. So I'm trying to appease him by petting him, but he might chirp a little bit. Um, so my first actress on the list is Emma Stone. Oh, that is a good one. I will say, I haven't seen Coella. I think that was her most recent film. Did that film do good? Was it good? I think it got pretty bad reviews. Yeah, I don't think I heard but a lot of good things about it. But most of the time, it's if she's in a movie, it's probably going to be good. And her new Poor Things with Yargos Lanthimos is coming out this Christmas, so that should be a fun time. And you had just recently watched uh, La La Land. Yes, La 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 Land. Um... My next male is Joaquin Phoenix. Even though I'm not a big fan of the Joker. Yeah. Because I feel like that's like his biggest role now, which kind of stinks. It is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think I'm a fan of Joaquin Phoenix being known now for the Joker role. But he's got that new uh, Napoleon film coming out, which is another three-hour historical epic. So take that as you will. But uh, what I think uh, Ridley Scott said on air, that he was, they were like, Oh, you're taking some historical liberties. And he was like, basically like, shut up, nerds. <laughs> I like that response. Um, dude, that was a big one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Z- um, Ziggy's just trying to get his opinions in. <laughs> big Joaquin fan. It's because there's, there's some doors that are locked. Um, because he's not allowed to go in some of the rooms. Um, my next one for man, my last male, is Ryan Gosling. I do I can think see a that lot of people saying that he uh, he's he's a he is a a, a a put people in seats kind of guy. Do you think uh, it's gonna work for the new stunt film that he's in called Fall Guy? Isn't it Fall Guy? Have yeah, you seen I that? I I didn't watch the trailer, but I was I was very curious. It's like a put the, your butt in the seats act. Did, Are you gonna watch did, Fall Guy? Did you watch the trailer? Does it look good? Um, it looks very average. I saw the trailer when I was watching the Marvels. And was it, was it, did it pique your interest? No, it looked very average. This is getting insane. This cat needs some (laughs) discipline. Um, And then my last woman is Olivia Coleman. Okay. What has she been in recently? Um, Oh, I think the last one was called Empire of Lights, Mm -hmm. which I know I haven't, I haven't watched it. But she was in, like, The Favorite. She's been in some Marvel stuff. She was in uh, Secret Wars. Oh, Secret Invasion? Yeah, yeah, Secret Invasion. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, Um, yeah, yeah. The Father was her last, like, big movie, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what I got. That's a great question, Nicholas. That's that's a pretty good list. Yeah, I like that. I I thought it was was relevant, given our, the current state. The strike is over. Right now. Woo! Um, So, Nicholas, moving on from that. Have you watched anything? Oh, Zachary, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, being the big superhero film that uh, fan that I am, I went out to the theater to go watch The Marvels on opening nights, Thursday nights, little preview showing. And first thing I'll say, packed theater. Good, 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 packed. good. Um, and it was not good. It was not great. Uh, the way that I equate it was, it's like when Solo came out, the you know, the Han Solo Star Wars film. And I had zero expectations for it. Or like all you heard was really bad stuff. And so I went in thinking it was going to be bad already. And 
I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, that was fun. It was fun. Had a lot of fun cameos. And one of my favorite scenes in all of the MCU. Ooh, I haven't seen it yet, so. Very, a little melodramatic at times. Like, a little, like, turned up to 11. But, you know, if, if you watch all the MCU projects, give it a watch. You'll, you'll have fun with it. It's not as bad as people think. Yeah, I just don't like how people are. I do, I do think that people are equating the failure with the fact that it's like a woman-led film, but I do think the fact that there was no press tour for the film really is uh, one of the main reasons why it's not going to be doing as well. But yeah, people will time. look at it fail and then blame women. Correct. And uh, I will say that my final thing is um, uh, Kamala Khan, Iman Balani, who plays Kamala, she's, she's the standout of, of that film. She's Ooh. fantastic. Never finished Miss Marvel. Oh, you should definitely you should before you before you watch it. Not gonna happen. <laughs> uh, Zachary, what have you been watching, sir? Um, so I'm gonna go on a little tangent for a second here. Please. So my favorite part of this. I uh, sometimes when I'm in the shower in the morning, I take my phone into the shower, and just let the water hit my back while I'm waking up. Yeah. And I say. I'm going to go see Killers of the Flower Moon tonight or this afternoon. Go on my little Regal app, pick my seat. My new, my new thing is I pick right above the handicap seats because they're hardly ever purchased. And there's like a railing right there that I can put my feet up on the railing. Oh, nice. So I was the only person that had booked a, a ticket. So I get there. There's a group of four women, ages probably ranging from 50 to 70, sitting in my seat. So I didn't want to cause a scene. And this theater, mind you, there's only probably like five rows before like the break. Yeah. You have like the front, the break, where the walkway, and then the... So I, I say, I went back one. These were the loudest women I've ever heard in my entire life, making comments about each trailer, about how they weren't going to see it, how it's, how it's disgusting that this is what movies are now. So I moved back all the way to the back. And then finally, the movie starts. They don't, they don't make a word. But then the last scene of the movie, <clears throat> there's a, just like, a, I think it's the, the modern Osage tribe are doing the drum circle. And the, the, the camera's like on a crane and it's, and it's panning out. Yep. And they just start talking through it. Like full volume, like, almost like raising their voice. And I was like, like... A comment about the film? No, they were just like, talking. The shot itself? Uh-uh. They weren't talking about the movie. They were just talking about what they were doing after. And I was like, women, this movie is not over. Just pipe down for literally one more minute. Yeah. So I was kind of upset about that. And then the movie ends and the lights come up and the credits are rolling and the woman goes, is it still Thursday? That movie was way too long. Oh my god. Woman, you bought the ticket. You knew what this was going to be. <laughs> yeah, you know what you're getting yourself into. You saw the runtime was three hours and 25 minutes. <laughs> but uh, that was my that little tangent. Annoying. Yeah. Only, to, only five of us in the theaters. And then I thought I left my car. I couldn't find my car keys. Oh, you thought you left them there? I was were checking, they, I was checking everywhere. Where were they? They were in my car ignition. I'd left them in my car for three and a half hours. 
that can't be good for your car. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's about it. But we can get into the movie itself because yes, I know I, you sort of oh, I'm ready. previewed it last week. I know. Well, it's been, shoot, it's been a couple weeks now. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Give me, give me your thoughts on it all bit. Um, Let's just go into it because I'm ready. So I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it was really good when it. And uh, Lily Gladstone as uh, Molly was phenomenal. She was the best part of that film. And, I mean, like that, was, and you have Robert De Niro, you have Leonardo DiCaprio, but she was the standout. And she, uh, such a reserved performance, yet so emotional and impactful. Yeah. Um, I thought the the pacing of the third act was a little off. And it seemed like it wrapped up four or five times, but just kept going. Yeah. I do think we could have... Uh, could have went back to the editing room and maybe rearranged some stuff and cut some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it happened in real life, I don't know if we needed the Ernest says he's going to uh, be a witness. Then he goes back on it just to do it again. Yeah. What, do, um, uh, what, what are your thoughts? I know the big thing right now is people have been making fun of uh, Brendan Fraser, who had maybe five minutes of screen time in that entire film. Have you heard it? Have you heard any of this? I the saw commentary like on Martin it? Scorsese said like he was had the perfect build yeah. for this character. Dude looked like the kingpin. I mean, he 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 definitely looked like the sleazy defense lawyer for criminals that gets paid well to keep people out of jail. I think we were because when we um, were with our buddy Chase uh, yesterday, we we were talking about the film, and he even mentioned he was like I bet he was so over the top, and that's how I felt like when I saw him on screen, and he like stood up in the court. And was talking, I was like, "Dude, I think you're landing on a little bit too thick." But mm-hmm. I, that's that's what everyone's kind of dogging on for. Where it was like that was very very dramatic. Um. Well, the 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 big thing going around Twitter right now is Paramount tweeted a picture of Robert De Niro's character with the phrase, "You know, we had to do it to him." No. And the, I don't know what the context was, no. but they uh they were quite quick to. Delete the tweet. Yikes. Um, but I thought uh, the only flaw to the movie, which I can understand why people don't wouldn't even look favorably on the movie because of this flaw, is the fact that it's told from Ernest's perspective. Yeah. And even though this is really Molly's story, and even beyond that, sort of casting Leonardo DiCaprio as Ernest. This cat is going crazy. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, casting Leonardo DiCaprio as Ernest and such a likable and well-known figure sort of maybe even unconsciously shifts the audience over to his side. Yeah. Where you want to believe and it's harder to accept that Ernest is complicit in all the horrific acts that happen throughout the movie. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen those complaints. I've also seen... It's funny because I've seen a lot of commentary about this film. I know I told you that I did a lot of research into it after the fact. Um, one of the things that apparently uh, Scorsese didn't, which it, it's tough to do, and I'll just go ahead and say that one of the problems that people have uh, that the book did a whole lot better was they made it seem as if um, Robert De Niro's character's uncle, and I can't remember his name now. Do you remember? They just called him King. King. Um, they made it. They implied it to where it just seemed like King and Leonardo DiCaprio's character were really the only ones who were. They were the masterminds. The, mas- the masterminds. Well, behind it, it all really makes it seem like King is the only person that. Correct. 
Correct. Is trying Whereas, to benefit from this. From what I understand, it was really the whole town, like every single person. And, and they kind of alluded to it in the film a little bit. Like there are some really shady doctors that we see over and over again. And lawyers. And people, people trying to beg the the wealthy Osage members for, yeah, like they were begging them to buy this car and yeah. talking about how, oh, my family can't feed themselves. And you, you, you do get that one scene where Molly's walking through the train station and you see like all the white eyes are like looking for a piece of the pie. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's the thing. But again, when you're, I think as a, as a filmmaker, you have to make those decisions. It, yeah. it's, it's harder to do like in a, in a film like that, you almost have to put the emphasis on one or two characters like King and, mm. and Ernest to, to tell that story. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of in uh, the show Chernobyl. Yeah. Uh, have you seen you've watched Chernobyl? I have not. There's a like it's the main guy who is figuring out what's happening and figuring out how to stop it all and he consults a single doctor mm-hmm. who or chemist and she helps him figure out how to do it. And then people complained about how it was a whole like panel of chemists but it's like for a narrative purpose it, it's easier to consolidate into one character. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, but I think I don't know. It's it's difficult because can a, a a man of Italian descent truly capture what it means to be Osage and tell this horrific yeah. story about Osage? Probably not to the fullest extent. Yeah. But also, it's Martin Scorsese, and not every director can get Martin Scorsese money Correct. to tell a story. Well, and you know what? I applaud Scorsese for deciding like this is the story he wanted to tell. Because I, to be honest, I had never heard of this. It, it reminds me in many ways of when I watched um, the HBO miniseries Watchmen that they did right before COVID. I think it was like 2019, and a mm-hmm. lot of it focused on the the history of Tulsa, which they even yeah. mentioned in this film. Yeah, and it, this was kind of another piece to that where I'm like, I've never heard of this. Like, I feel like this is like a crazy story that's still very relevant for us, or at least it's one of those. It's like, oh, it's very important to kind of understand. Yeah what happened in history um i if you watch this movie i would definitely after you're done watching it go read up on what actual members of the osage tribe have written about their reception to the movies because most of them are pretty uh they well they they like the movie and it's well received with them but they talk about how it kind of stinks that we live in a world where we have to have this white man direct this movie because we don't have the resources or the basically the resources to make these giant movies to get these stories across. Yeah. Did, did my final thing, did it feel like three and a half hours to you? Not until the very end. Yeah. In the last like 30 minutes of the movie, I'm like, okay, actually I have been sitting here for three hours and yeah. Cause you, you start thinking it's wrapping up and then it's not. Yeah. I, I, I did also love, um, how did you feel about, and we're, we're going to kind of spoil the, the ending of it. Uh, did you like, Scorsese appearing at the end to sort of give the the epilogue to the whole story. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, that was kind of. I neat. guess if you're working on a story for for years of your life, and if you probably he probably feels a personal connection with Molly at this point, and yeah, is it a bit self indulgent to have yourself deliver that monologue about yeah how when she was buried, none, this was never mentioned. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think he delivered it with class and integrity. Yeah. I uh, I saw an interview where he talked about doing that scene. And he said that he, 
didn't know how he wanted to play that scene out. And it was in his old high school. And it's like you mentioned, he had gone and visited the grave sites. He was talking with people and he had been telling that story for so long that he wanted to do that scene first to show an actor how he wanted that scene to look. Like he, he figured like he would kind of like just, you know, kind of test run the scene almost. And mm-hmm. then he said he had his family sitting there and the audience, everything done like to his granddaughter. And he said as he was delivering that scene, it was like the one take, like he did it the one time and he thought that no one could have done it better or like he felt like mm-hmm. it was sort of the culmination of the whole project. So I thought that was really cool. Like if I think about that, uh, yeah. if I had watched I mean, it again. It, I mean, could have been an Osage yeah. tribe member delivering it, but yeah, uh, whatever. Would you- would you recommend this film to everybody? Oh yeah, I gave yeah. it. I, I gave it an eight point seven. I think that's where I am with it too. I really. I think it's it. my I, I would love fourth to... best movie of the year. Yeah. Uh, what are your What are your first three? If you don't mind me asking, do you know? Hold on, let me let me pull up. Joe Mixon's in the red zone, by the way. Uh, while you're saying that, I, I would I would love to read the book and then rewatch this film. And this, it also makes me want to go back. I feel like I'm on a big Scorsese kick right now. I want to go back and watch Goodfellas. I've never watched The Irishman. I want to watch, I want to see that. I think this one's definitely better than The Irishman. That's what I've heard. And I'm glad it's in theaters. I don't, I don't like these big, these big directors putting movies right out to streaming. Yeah, you were telling me about David Finch. Uh, Fincher David doing Fincher, a... Yeah. Um, the Killer. Netflix. Which, which will probably be... At least I will have on my... What you're watching next week. But uh, number one is La La Land. Then Across oh, the Spider-Verse, The Sound of Music, and then Killers of the Fire Moon. That's a good, that's a good top four right there. Um, but I think we're, we're about done. We can move from, from one true story to the next. So we'll, uh, we'll catch, you, catch you here in a second. back with our feature presentation of the day imdb's number 232 rated an 8.1 out of 10 hachi colon a dog's tail 2009 family friendly rated rated g dog adventure film i don't know if this film should be rated g now that you told me that there's a little risqueness in it noticed that um but the the film follows professor he's just they just call him the the professor but i think his name is peter sounds right but they call it follows the professor he's a professor of some sort of music, music. and dance yeah <laughs> music history maybe yeah um and follows he he rides the train to work into providence every day and one day he comes home from work and finds a little, what's the, what's the kind of dog? Akita. Akita, dog that somehow was mishandled in transport from a monastery in Japan. And he ends up keeping the dog, and their dog and him are best friends, and the dog waits for him at the train station every day. But then one day, the Spoiler. professor has a heart attack and dies. And... The dog is not willing to accept that. So the professor's daughter tries to take him home with her, but he runs away every day. 
So he they just let him go, and he runs back to the the train station and waits out for the owner every day for nine years until he dies in the snow. Hey, the and then we get the 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 black pay the black screen with the text that says this was a real story in Japan. Yeah, and there's a, a there's a plaque out for him now. Yeah, I think the what was it? The 1920s to 1930s. Yeah. Like, uh, do I have the date? Yeah, 1923 to 1935. Um, um hey, that's it. I think I think that's, that's the whole podcast. That's the plot. And then yeah. there's there's nothing else. There's no side story. There's nothing. Yeah. No, I think you covered it. I think I think, um, we call it, I think you can wrap it up. We call it a day. So I'm just gonna go out and say this on a limb. This movie <laughs> has absolutely no business being on the top 250 movies of all time list. Yeah. I know it's user score, but I think I prefer every single movie we've seen so far over this one. Even the ones that we didn't even like life of Brian. Yeah. Every single movie I would rather watch than this. I think, um, it, it's, it sucks because you, you ruined it for me with one comment that you told me off screen when you said that this was a Hallmark film. It feels like either a Hallmark movie or a Lifetime movie. Yeah. Like Ever the, since you said the, that, I can't get out of my head. The camera work, there's nothing interesting going on in the camera work or the lighting. It's lit, it's lit like a Lifetime movie. Yeah. It has that feel of cheap lighting. It does. It does. It was, it will... And it was a very cheap film, as you can imagine. I, I, I did have to look at some of these stats just to see. Um, it was, it was um, a film that uh, was distributed by Sony Pictures. The budget was $16 million. It did rack in almost $50 million. Yeah, I bet. Can you find out when it came out? I bet it came out during Christmas. June 8, 2009. Because the movie starts at Christmas and then it ends at Christmas. I feel like it's always Christmas or winter or late it's always fall. winter. The Hachi is always in the snow. And this film was released in mid-June. Middle of the year. That had to be like they missed a deadline and then <laughs> they said, we miss Christmas, we're pushing it to the summer. <laughs> yep. Um, um, this, yeah, this film's like, it's, it, we have, wa- even, you're right, even the films we have not watched uh, at least all of them tried to do like they did something different or there's like a cultural significance to each of the films that we have seen didn't didn't see anything worthwhile in this film that would have allowed it to be placed in the 250 um to top 250 list ex- besides the fact that it is unapologetically one of those films that's meant to make you yeah sad that was my next note was the the movie's only purpose it only serves to make the audience cry yeah like it has it really has no plot like because this is like one of those things where you're on instagram and you see one of those slides and it's like dog waits for owner to return after the owner died on the bus yep and it's like okay that's all we needed we don't need an hour and a half movie on it yeah i already know what yeah that's the thing it's like you i I watched this film going in, and, and we had we had been hyping up Hachi for for a hot minute on this podcast. You have been. I've been. I just because it's a dog rated G film uh, that we were coming up on. I was like, what? What is it about Hachi that's that's got us Hachi. on this list? And uh, I, I'll admit, left hand up, I cried. 
I did. I knew it. I knew that the film was going to make me cry, and it definitely did. Um, and I, I'll admit that it did its job. But other than that, like even the even the human story to it, because there is like I guess technically, if we were to tell audience members, like what is the the what are the humans doing? You you kind of see the mom the, is they don't even explain it, but the 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 wife is. Re- restoring an old theater yeah and then the professor is trying to write like a ballet yes so it is it is a very like feel-good middle-aged to older couple like um, like almost like in their pre-retirement years i would say maybe late 50s and at the beginning of the film it's the classic trope of dad right husband finds the dog grows really attached to the dog and mom is so anti dog. She is the foil to it all. And it's the like the classic scene where she's ready to give away the dog. Like some someone calls wanting to pick up the dog because they had put posters and flyers around town. And she's on the phone with this person and she looks out the window and Peter, the dad, is trying to teach the dog how to play fetch. And the daughter goes out and is like on her hands and knees with the dog and the mom's like, The dog has been taken. yeah and it's from there you know it's from there but it's it's like she never even like warms up to it no never she hates the dog doesn't really care for the dog and then like there's like this this side story that they sort of go into about like the old dog that they used to have and then yeah oh like we kept everything when old yeller died yeah that's right um but so we mentioned this it's earlier. a lot of half-baked ideas that never never like, come out there's no payoffs to any the only thing is that it gets paid off is the the fetch storyline yes where yes. he finally fetches and then it's sort of you have to deduce the fact that oh hachi knew that he was gonna die and he wanted right. him not to go to work yeah um it was interesting though there were many scenes where sorry sorry audience this cat is going crazy right now and i have nowhere else to record <laughs> so he- Ziggy's not a fan of this. We need a Ziggy, a cat's tail film. That's what we need. Um, I'd be a, I'd be chaos. I did. I loved the random scenes of like the film was trying to to highlight. Uh oh my gosh, what is Ziggy doing? <laughs> That's not what we need, Abigail. <laughs> um, there there are many scenes where Peter and the wife are in their in their happy couple era where they are like candlelit baths and he'll bring home flowers like these random scenes where the marriage which is never a danger of like falling apart i always feel like something was going to happen in this relationship because there's just these random moments where it's like i love you so much or we're gonna like snuggle on the bed and like really try to push this like g rating because here's the glass of wine and let me shut the door as we're about to like strip off our clothes and you know maybe have sexy fun times yeah but it was just a lot of like repetitive things about like the dog doing things and i don't know and then it just felt like they were spinning their wheels until they hit that like exactly an hour mark so they could kill the professor yeah and then they can move into the the actual like story of this movie that's right now I, I will say this and I, I had no idea what the hachi the actual story was like I, I i didn't know that this dog existed in the story 
I, I thought that the way that this film was going to play out was the dog would die. Like, I feel like that's always like the thing, like Marley and me or, mm-hmm. you know, old yeller, like the dog dies. So I, I was actually a little shocked. I was like, oh, Peter died. That's, I guess that's a twist I, I should have seen coming, but didn't. So that got me, uh, you know, it yeah. surprised me. As soon as, the, as soon as Hachi tried to stop him from going to work, I was you like, knew something was wrong. Yeah, he's definitely gonna die, and then Hachi's gonna be left alone. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't have much to say on this movie because I, it's just, it's not even that I didn't like it. It was just the movies that we've watched previously. You can like critically analyze them. You can like The Handmaiden last week. There were so many, like there was so much subtext to the movie where we could talk about the different ways you can interpret the movie. Yep. For hours, there's no, there's nothing this movie gives you. There's no, there's no meat on the bones of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I know it's a true story, but it really just felt like they fed it to an AI, and they're like, "I need you. Here's a scenario. Yeah. Make it in America, and then." Make it an hour. Make it ninety ninety three minutes. Yeah, it could have been shorter. It was already a short film, but it could have been shorter. Then we got uh, Jason Alexander, who really, I, I don't know. What a like weird they just, character! They just bought it like they like. We need a second actor to sell this movie. Yeah, and he's the he's like the, the train scheduler that doesn't just walks around. I feel like he never had like a whole lot of character development either. Like I feel like by the the film begins. And he's not like a great dude. And then with the, by the time the film's over, he's, he's not still any better. Because yeah, because he tries to take all the credit for the the one. Then local like newspaper comes. Yeah, like he was not an endearing in any way. And uh, it's I, like it's like what are these this hot dog stand dude and like the bookstore owner? They're always like standing around in the freezing cold weather together. Yeah, I was. I found myself asking myself how the hot dog stand dude like makes his living i feel like that's i don't know i feel like you like, probably wouldn't make a lot of money yeah it's like if you, like a hot dog stand in new york city makes sense yeah on a train that goes to providence and back yeah <laughs> and, he keeps, and he keeps giving his product away for free to the professor yeah literally i was wondering i was like does he just have like a running tap he just plays at the end of the month i don't know um, I will say there there was one highlight for me. I, I don't know if you paid attention. I don't know if you you felt the exact opposite. I did enjoy the film score, which was composed by Jan A. Kazmarek. Kazmarek. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it did elevate scenes. Like it obviously in terms of like playing up the emotions, like those like high string, like the violins and those like sort of like orchestral sounds that you they need got for those, you with the, the big pathos, moments. Nicholas. Yeah, I you know what? I'll be honest. Like if it's again, that's that was the i hope it was the chief job of this film right was to do that and again it, it heightened those moments and so i i will give a shout out because i thought that that that, that was well done as well done um, as it can be for a g-rated film like this really the only thing that i liked about this movie was the fact that we got hachi pov shots that were in black and white yeah like a dog's vision would be yeah that was cool and it was and I, I don't know I, did, I just really hate movies that their whole goal is to like make you watch keep watching because you're sad yeah. for the especially like animal movies because that's the only thing like oh look at this cute little puppy and it's sad yeah be be sad for the puppy now the puppy's older now be sad for the puppy again i did uh i did like hachi i thought he's a cute dog i thought akita is a cute little dog breed hachi was uh 
bastard. Hachi did not do what he was told. He was very mischievous. I think Hachi would be going back to the pound if he was my dog. He if was... he dug a tunnel under the fence to go to my work, yeah, you're done. Um, did you like how the film was bookended? Sort of how it opened and how it closed with the grandson? Did that no. do anything for you? <laughs> no. And it pissed me off that he named his dog Hachi. Yeah, I didn't care for that either. <laughs> you didn't know Hachi. Why are you naming the dog Hachi? Yeah. Uh, not good. Not great. I'm not a fan of this movie at all. I don't think I have anything else to say, Zach. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to say. I, I, I don't know if I'm off base here, but I just thought it was a bit racist the way they had that Japanese character that he like comes to for advice about this dog and this Japanese man. Obviously, obviously he knows this breed of dog. Yeah. And he's an expert on him. Yeah. And then they're playing with like samurai, like wooden samurai swords. Yeah. What was that scene about? Did I like close my eyes and miss something? I think that was just showing that like they have a friendship together. Our professor was a very cultured individual. I it just I don't know it was, and I I get because it happened in Japan. I guess they wanted to make that connection because yeah. the real life story happened in Japan. But it was like, oh, just because this guy's Japanese doesn't mean he's an expert on everything. Yeah, that was that was a little strange. I don't, I don't know if it was it. racist. It was maybe culturally insensitive. It was weird. Um, I will say I did a. Uh, I did learn with the professor as he was Googling all about the Akita. I did learn a lot about the Akita, including the fact that it was like the first like dog that man was like friends with or like tame. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. But other um, than that, yeah. Audience, this is definitely a short episode because <laughs> it's not even it's not even like a bad movie where I can bash on it for being bad. It was just It is what a, it is. It's just a movie. It is what it is. It's exactly as it's advertised to be. Like I know this is kind of pretentious, but like you watch Persona, and you're like, that's a film. That's yeah. a film right there. You watch this, you're like, oh, that was a movie. Yeah. Well, Hachi even... Dog's Tale is a movie when Persona is a film. The yeah. Handmaiden is a film. Correct. Well, and even, like, even if you had to compare it to, and I've only ever seen Marley and Me, like, I haven't seen Old Yeller or any other dog film, but, like, even, I remember even with Marley and Me, like, that feels like more of a fully fleshed-out story. Mm-hmm. Am I am I off, off base there? Like, have you I haven't seen... seen Marley and Me. Okay, but, but like any dog. I mean, have you seen dog films? I don't really watch dog movies like that. Yeah. Did you, Did you watch this with Abigail? Mm-hmm. What did she think about the film? She was bawling at the end of it. Yeah. Well, so me and her were up the same. We were on par there. Did Did yeah. you not? Did you not shed no. a tear? Mm-mm. Wow. It was just so predictable, and I was like, I. Kn- once you see so the tra- train and you know the presser's dead, I was like, I know for a fact that the movie's gonna end where he closes his eyes for the last time. Yeah. When he dies, and then the 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 professor comes and claims him in the afterlife. Yeah, I saw that coming too. It's still made me happy. No. <laughs> All right, let's just move on to our ratings. All right. So it says an eight point one on IMDb, which is insane to me. Yeah. How many reviews did it have? Let's look it up. I mean, probably, let's see. It's 303,024. That's a lot. Uh, If I had to give this film a rating, I am at a 4.8. 
Yeah. Let's see. Because I, I like to rate in uh, in continuity. This movie is nowhere near as bad as Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, yeah, like four I think I'm sitting at about a, about a, about a 4.2. Alright, there you go. <laughs> I'm after I watched this, I was just the best thing about this movie was the fact that we watched it with Abigail's parents' dog, and every time they were barking, the their dog started barking. Oh, that's kind of cute. Um, so we can move on. Yeah. Against the handmaiden. The the handmaiden trumps clears, it. Clears, clears. Clears. It's not even worth discussing. <laughs> but we will have that discussion. <laughs> Trump's yeah. in every possible way. If you are, are you keeping up with a, a running list of all the films? Didn't you say you were doing that? Oh, I was. I haven't updated it in a okay. Lost like three or four movies. This would be that. This would be down there for me. Out Definitely, of all the films that yeah. we've watched, this would probably be last. Um, so Nicholas, you're gonna like this. My next, father, my son. Ne- no, next week. Well, we, so handmade and moves on. Clear. Yep. We can we can look forward to next week's film. Which is the 1942 film directed by Ernest L- Ernest Lubsick. Okay. To be or not to be. And it's on Max. Uh, it's on Max, and it's only an hour and 39 minutes. Let's go, baby. And then, uh, my father, my son is the one that cleared that one, right? Yeah, my father, my son is now sitting at two thirty one, and uh, Love to it. be or not to be sits at a eight point two. If I didn't just say that, okay, to be or not to be, we'll catch. All I know is that I on the there's Hitler on the picture. Oh, you think he's gonna can be you, punched? Can you hear? Can you hear the dinging on my computer or no? No. Okay, good. All right, well, I think that that wraps it up for us. Yeah. It's a I. It's about an acting troupe in Poland during Nazi occupation. Cool. That sounds really interesting. So, we'll catch uh, the same time, same place next week, unless you got anything else. Uh, the socials. Oh yeah, follow us on Twitter at Close Screening, and follow us on the Close Screening. And I want to uh, go ahead and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. But a special shout out to one Jordan Bogner. Jordan, we love you. Everyone, be like Jordan. Jordan is an avid listener of the closed screening. She takes the polls. She rates us. She reviews us. She spreads the word. Be like Jordan, everybody. Let's yeah, be, all like, be like, Jordan. like Jordan. Spread the word. That's all I got. All right. Well, we'll catch you next week with To Be or Not To Be. Hopefully, we have a more fruitful conversation. All right. Same time, same place next week, as you love it when I say. Peace out. <laughs>